so uh, here, here's the market today. You can see it's mostly red with a couple of exceptions. Uh, my portfolio, not doing too hot, but I'm not panicking at all. Uh, why don't you uh, bring up bring up your screen if you can, Matt? And uh, sure. do you have some IPOs this week? I know we got a couple big ones uh, tomorrow, I believe, and, and I believe Thursday. Uh, a couple on my radar, but I want to know how your week was, and uh, and then I, I would love to get your your thoughts on what is to get the calendar this week. So, uh, I guess we'll start with last week's trades, right? Yeah. So last week, uh, I actually kind of sat on the sidelines because there was a lot of unknowns. And um, in general, if I'm not at least fairly confident, then I'm going to be watching and taking notes. Uh, this has always been in a bit of an evolution. The process has been certainly effective and very profitable for me. But one of the things I've learned is don't force yourself to make trades just because it's you know exciting and coming off a huge week. Uh, the week before uh, HLTH, uh, about a week, you know, the Friday before last week was a huge win. And I just have to kind of mentally check myself and say, hey, you know, you have this tendency to take one big win, feel invincible, and then start chasing everything. And sometimes it's hard to sit thing, harder to sit things out when you're not sure after you've taken a big win. And then you kind of get yourself into trades that normally maybe you would have seen that, that they weren't that exciting. But um, there were some pretty good opportunities. Only one, uh, well, two of them that turned out to be winners were the only two that sort of looked good to me, and they weren't phenomenally good plays. Yeah. And some of the more popular IPOs weren't that great. I'm going to take a look at those as well. So I, I'm happy with my strategy for uh, waiting out, being patient, you know, buying the dip uh, <laughs> on other, you know, on other plays. But that gets tiring when the market doesn't rebound. So. <laughs> Um, again, trying to say to myself, you know, what is the strategy for the next month or two? Well, I think things will come back, you know, at some point in this month and rally into November and December. So just don't hurt yourself right now. Don't get yourself overextended. Don't put yourself into a margin call. Don't do anything that's going to uh, wipe you out. Play smart, play safe. And that goes for my IPO trading as well. So the theme for this week is we saw a pretty big contrast in the debuts that were, we had direct listings and we had high float versus sort of low float. And as we've seen again and again and again, high float just doesn't translate into a good debut play. I'm not saying it's a bad company. I'm not saying it's a bad time to take a you know starter position for a long hold, but I'm really about trying to play these for profits in one to two days, maybe three days. Otherwise it turns into a bag holding position and I'm just not going to go near anything that has a float over, say, 40 million shares because time and time again, we just see that that's too much supply and not enough demand. And especially in a cold market where people aren't buying, we're not seeing a ton of volume on the buy side in the market. That's not a good time to try to play against the trend that's you know that's been working for me. So uh, the plays that did work were Amplitude was the first IPO of the week, and it it was a direct listing and for a direct listing the float was like 35 million shares which is pretty good uh it opened at 50 dollars and pretty much went straight up so this is the kind of play that i would have liked to be in the market was cold it was a direct listing i just didn't have a great feel for it and i wanted to play things a little bit patiently so i missed it but i you know in retrospect i might have played this if the market were stronger and uh you know, you miss some, that's okay. Yeah. But this is exactly what you're looking for. You're in at 50, spikes right up. You can take half your position out on the initial run. I would like to usually play this with a trailing stop loss. So 
you know, maybe you want to, you know, as it gets over 51, you set your stop loss at a base of 50, 50. Uh, if it doesn't, you know, continue up, you get stopped out for a, what I would call a non-loss, a slight win. And if it does run, you just, every time it breaks through a dollar, you know, you bring it up to, it breaks over 52, you bring your stop loss up to 51. It breaks up to 52.50, maybe you come up to 52. I mean, I love this kind of, I love being in this kind of trade because there's no heat. It's just, you know, you're straight up. And eventually we get stopped out probably maybe 54, 53, 50. That's a good opening win. Take out half your position. You're already, you know, winning and you can kind of let it run for the rest of the day. What you're expecting or you're hoping for is one of these end of day kind of moves up. And we've seen time and time again in the final minute, a spike. And the spike, I like to set, you know, I might, if I had been in this, I'd like to think that I would have set a, a, a limit order at say 54.95 or 55.95 and let it get triggered on the, you know, in that close right before the closing bell. This was a pretty, you know, solid stock going into the close. So if you have to hold it in after hours or day two, okay. Um, but this was, I mean, I would love to have been in this play because this is exactly the kind of play that is very easy to trade. Um, Exciencia, Exciencia, EXAI. Uh, I did take a play at this one. I got in on the debut and let it run up a little bit. But given this market conditions and that this is a little bit too similar to some of the other AI-driven drug discovery platforms, I didn't want to take a loss. I didn't want to be sitting in anything. you know. So it opened at 27.15. Once it moved up to about 27.50, I put my stop loss at 27.25 and ended up getting taken out right before it ran. I'm okay with that. I mean, I didn't have a lot of conviction in this one. So I basically said, look, if it goes straight up, I'll be in it. If it doesn't, you know, I'm just going to get out and put my money, you know, take my money back. Tiny win, you know, not, nothing to cheer about. But if you did stay in it, if you like this stock and you set either, you know, a trailing stop loss, maybe you got out at 29 or 28, nice little win. If you, the other, the other strategy here is to say, okay, well, stocks that open it or IPOs that debut at around 27 often peak at 29 or 30. Those are kind of the, the two resistance levels that we see. And you'll see this one hit resistance rate at 29 uh, off the first run and had enough power to actually push over 30. So if you put your stop losses at 28.95, uh, 29.95, not stop losses, limit orders, and those get taken out, you know, great. You've taken a nice little two or $3 play. So again, this one gave you a nice comfortable run up. Um, you know, you didn't want to be into it too long. Uh, didn't give you that end of day run. A lot of times what I look for is if you look here on amplitude, it it peaked and then held, held this like baseline. Once it holds that baseline for, you know, a good hour uh, or longer, that to me is a strong indication of a day to or a end of day push. If it baselines, if it's not a flat baseline, it's more like choppy like this. I'm not so confident about an end of day run. This is not um, the kind of flat baseline that I like to see. Even when it drops, sometimes it'll uh, baseline before run. That baseline that holds, that to me is a good indication of an end of day run. This kind of like up and down, up and down, trading in a range, not as strong of an indication. If you did hold, if you sold half out here, um, maybe you give it to VWAP, maybe get taken out here. You know, you're had lots of opportunities to take profits and let it run. You've already taken a nice little win here. You're going to get rich off this trade, but pocketing these little one to three dollar trades, if you're trading with, you know, and, I mean, and no matter what, it'll 
what your volume is, you're going to incrementally, you know, grow your, uh, your stash. But for me, I'm a half position is about 500 shares. A full position would be a thousand shares. So if you're taking, you know, one, two, three points off a thousand shares, you're putting two or $3,000 into your account and you stack up, you know, four or five of those in a month and you've made a good little, uh, you know, a good little income. Uh, first watch restaurant group. I said I wasn't interested in this one and I don't mind that I missed it. It did turn out to be the like the best IPO of the week last week. Opened at 21, was a little rough out the gate, but the low float. This was like, I think, um, back in my notes, uh, this was 9.4 million shares. So again, low float you know means a lot on these plays. If there's any kind of demand, not a lot of stuff going on in the market, people said, okay, well, low float IPO, I'll play it. And maybe for some people, it's their favorite breakfast or lunch place. I've never heard of it, but uh, it did go up. Maybe people were comparing it to Dutch Brothers. I don't know. Um, but it did go up. It gave you 10% win on day one if you kind of nailed this peak or hit 23. Again, that $2 move. It debuted at 21. I'm looking for 22 or 23 for a quick kind of like relatively easy win. Uh, if you did really believe in this and held through that day two run, uh, somehow it got media coverage or something overnight ran up to 25.46 this morning, which would be a 20% win. It's a pretty hard play to make, especially, you know, for me, I don't know what this company, no, I don't know much about this company in terms of, I don't have any brand association to it. So not an easy one to catch on to. Some people probably did and did well on it. And this was just a good example of a low float IPO that, you know, did pretty well. Um, and let me just, I wanted to go over because there were two high float IPOs that give us something to learn from why high float doesn't run. Um, for me, high float is 40 million shares or more. It has to be really, really strong to, to push more than 40 million shares. Average float is about 30 million shares. If it's a good company, a solid company with 30 million shares, I'll say great, play it. Uh, if it's a strong company, if it's like kind of a strong niche company with 20 million shares, I'm more excited about it when they do anything under 10 million shares, I'm going to pay attention. If it's not like an obscure biotech, uh, there's a pretty good chance that you're going to, I would say a better chance than not that you're going to get an upward movement on, on demand. And if it's less than 5 million shares, it's almost a catalyst in itself because IPO traders are like, well, 3 million shares, how could it go down? Of course, sometimes they do, but more often than not, at some point you get a pop. So, the reason is very fundamentally, you know, supply and demand. If you have really high supply, you need even higher demand to make the price go up. Um, so if you have a lower trading volume to the float ratio, then, um, you know, that's even worse. So you want the volume to be high compared to the float ratio. So if the float is 5 million shares, you don't need a lot of trade volume to make it go up. But if you have a really high float, you need a lot of volume. I mean, Didi was such an obvious uh, for the Chinese. It was 300 million shares. It was, I think they upped it to like 330, you know, and some of the, you know, celebrity pundits were out on, you know, NBC going, oh yeah, buy all that you can. And I'm going, no way. The, 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 bottom, the bottom line is, as you see it, the higher the flow, the harder it is to move the stock. Well, that's usually yeah. how, always how it goes. Yeah. And it's one of those, it's almost self-fulfilling because, you know, IPO traders like me look at that high float and go, nah, nah, you know, <laughs> so that automatically takes out people who would otherwise try to flip it. And, and two examples we'll look at real quickly are uh, Warby Parker and Olaplex. So Warby Parker got a lot of coverage is that direct to consumer eyewear. 
and there was 77.7 million shares and it was a direct listing. So it opened it, you know, opened up here at 54.11, kind of tried to like get going, but you know, it, there's just so many shares and it just can't move up. It'll move down before it moves up. And it kind of held its own move sideways, but you weren't gonna make money on this trade. And if you didn't sell, you know, you're kind of stuck bag holding into day two. Now it's kind of come up and, you know, it's a direct listing. So we think, oh, the pricing's probably more fair to the retail trader than a direct listing. Um, but it's still, it's a huge volume in a cold market. Maybe this goes up from here. I would, if I had to, you know, guess, I would say, yeah, sure. Maybe a better chance that it goes up a little bit than down a little bit, you know, from here over the next weeks as the market returns and people go, oh yeah, Warby Park is a solid business model. Um, but it's not an IPO play for me. Uh, Olaplex is interesting because this is a very solid company uh, in terms of growth, something like 400% uh, revenue growth or profit growth. I forget which one that was, but uh, was getting a lot of hype in social media. A lot of people are going, this one's a great company. I love their hair products. It's amazing. They, you know, their numbers are so much better than L'Oreal, which they are. Um, but it's 70, they upped it from 67 million shares to 73 million shares. And that's just too much. I mean, there's just no, you know, it actually managed to kind of swing here and opened at 25 and gave you a chance to kind of take, you had to be real quick with it. Um, but it did swing up to 2650, but that was kind of the day traders and the hype, uh, traders who were trying to pump this and trying to get people excited about it. I know that there were trading groups going, we're all buying Olaplex. Who's in You know, me, me. Yeah, let's do it. And I'm like, yeah, but there's not. How many of how many of you are there? You know, there's not enough. There's more shares than there are buyers. So even with strong demand, there was more supply, and we saw the effect of it. it just you know, high float debuts they just run out of steam. Uh, we saw this with things like you know Palantir on the initial day it went up from ten to eleven plus, and then just um, Uber forty four. I think it opened at forty four, traded up to forty five, and then down. Coinbase was like ugh. You know, when I opened at 385, went to 430 and then just finished at like 355 or something. And then it was just down from there. So high float, even if it's a hype name, even if there's a lot of brand recognition, high float almost never works. I struggle to think of one that really worked well. So um, to me, over 40 million shares, if it does go, you know, go up, I'm OK with missing it. It doesn't fit the pattern that I'm looking for. I can't play with a lot of conviction to begin with. So um, it'd have to be something really special. Maybe a Stripe, uh, when they debut, has 40 or 50 million shares. I'll say, okay, whatever, everybody's going to buy Stripe. But, um, you know, in most cases, it's a red flag. Okay. This week's IPOs, we'll just skip the list and jump into them. Uh, iFit Health and Fitness. This is the company that makes Nordic Track, Proform, Freemotion, Weeder, and they have a subscription-based kind of workout content from home type of setup. So the obvious comp for this one is going to be um, to Peloton. And even though Peloton's products, I'm not going to get into uh, which is better, why they're different. I, for the life of me, have struggled to ever make a Nordic track, make sense of a Nordic track. Um, There's there a, there a article in the Wall Street Journal, I think on Friday, just all about Peloton fatigue, right? Everyone bought one and now they're not using it. And that, you know, oh, they make a great gift, you know, and like New Year's resolutions and Christmas, I'm sure people buy them and all that. But, um, you know, I work out, I go to the gym, I do my running, I, you know, I've had yeah. weights and stuff at home. And I don't need to spend that kind of money to, uh, you know, to get 
active. I don't know if it, I'm sure it helps other people. They do have 6 million members and 1.5 million active subscribers. Uh, okay. You know, their revenues up 104%, gross profits up 120%. So maybe it doesn't matter that people don't use them so much unless subscriptions really are a bulk of your business. If people are buying them, that's great. And they are pricing this IPO at a 43% discount to Peloton based on sales and an 82% discount based on EBITDA. So I think that, you know, as sort of a, uh, you know, getting Peloton has been one of those hot, almost meme-ish stocks and, that sort of association with this kind of valuation makes me say, hey, this could be one of those IPOs that does pretty well. The float's standard 30 million shares. I will probably watch it to see how many people are talking about it, if they increase the float or increase the, you know, how high it debuts uh, compared to the IPO price. But it does have that brand name recognition. It does have that chance for a day two media run. And if the market starts to warm up a little bit, uh, you know, by the middle of the week, this is something that, I'll have my eye on and maybe take a half play or try to undercut the uh, the debut bid and see if this gives us a chance to take uh, to take a few points. So kind of like this one. Don't love it. Uh, healthcare Triangle Group. This was rescheduled from last week. It's cloud and data management software for healthcare and life science organizations. We've covered a lot of IPOs that kind of sound like this. Uh, the revenue is just 20, up 20 percent. Uh, in the last six months, gross profit up 32%, which are good numbers, but not great for like a software IPO, not red hot, not screaming, hey, you got to play this. And with an operating loss, negative net income, negative cash flow, those are sort of warning signs. We tend to like playing the ones that have either swinging towards or moving towards, uh, you know, positive numbers on these three. And, you know, the, the only thing really going for this one is the low float. You got 9.1 million shares, and that oftentimes is enough to get things going. So kind of have to watch this one, but I don't love it. And right now in this market, I'm sort of you know playing cautious rather than playing aggressively. So if I was being aggressive, maybe I like this one for this week. I don't know if I miss it again. I'm okay with missing. I'd rather like really nail the winners and miss some of the okay ones and once in a while you're going to miss a winner and play something else that's still a winner lifetime group holdings interestingly enough we have another health fitness and wellness right. how, how many of these could we could we have matt this is ridiculous ridiculous now uh we are getting a lot of health care we are getting a lot of fitness you know what uh, there was they're we getting saw... the barbecue grills like a few weeks ago <laughs> it's because they all they all saw what happened at peloton and they're all chasing that yeah, and they probably also realized that now is the time. I think that some of this is now, like six months ago, was the time. Now, well, that day, now is the time. Six months ago was the time for them to begin the filing process. So now, now they're getting to the market, and they, they all you know push things back when things were cold in August. And I mean, the market was kind of cold in August, and a lot of IPOs got rescheduled. But this was a formerly a public company. They do. They're basically like high end gyms. And they own like 125 gyms around the states. And it got actually the insiders bought it out at a 73% premium to take it private in 2015. Uh, the numbers were starting to look even better in 2018, 2019. And then COVID hit and they got smashed. And the only kind of angle that I can see to this one that makes it 
you know, if I were to play devil's advocate and say, well, a lot of gyms went out of business and these guys held, you know, held on and now they're raising a bunch of capital. So maybe they're the best position gym, you know, especially luxury gym for the reopening opportunity. I don't know what they're going to have to do about people who, you know, bought two year memberships and couldn't go to the gym for six months. If they're going to be reimbursing them or extending them for free or just saying, well, you know, tough luck, you know, it's hard for us too. Uh, the thing that makes this just not interesting for me is the 46 million shares. Uh, that's kind of like, could have just skipped oh, to that. Oh, that's not next. even, that's not even so, that high. It's maybe a smidge above your my number. It's yeah, above your number. Over 40. Right. It's above yeah, your number. 40, it has, it, let me put it this way. It has to be really, a really compelling sell over 40. Okay. And right. high-end gyms is not really compelling to me. Like, are you excited to go out and buy this? No, not, no, 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 not, not. <laughs> not at all. I, I agree with you. Okay. Singulate, um, improved drug delivery technology for ADHD treatments that are already approved. So they take, uh, treatments that are already approved for, you know, attention deficit disorder and, um, improve the delivery technology. I don't know, uh, 4 million, 4.6 million shares. Maybe it's a low float target, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think that ADHD, I don't know. Don't most people either what take an inhaler, take a pill, how much, you know, it's not like people inject this. Right. So, um, how much, I don't get it. Biotechs I tend not to play. And this one doesn't sound particularly exciting to me. I'm going to say the same thing for this one. Theseus Pharmaceuticals, preclinical cancer, focus on gastric cancer, 8.3 million shares. I don't know. Um, pharmaceuticals, I mm -hmm. mean, I'll just touch on it really quickly. The reason that I generally won't touch them is they are a long way off, especially if they're preclinical from any major catalysts. Uh, dilution is imminent as they, you know, hit targets. And you're pretty much, they're very binary plays that take a long time to play out. Uh, either they get approval and they go way up or they don't get approval and they go way down and you're waiting a long time either way uh, for them to go anywhere. And once they do go somewhere, they're probably going to do a follow on operating, you know, offering for the next level. And then you're sort of sitting there, you know, and it, I just don't see a lot of I haven't had a lot of success with them. And every once in a while, I'll talk myself into one. There are some this week that maybe I will. And sometimes they work out, but more often they don't. And then you're stuck in something with very low volume, tricky to get out. I don't like them. Uh, Volcon. This one's interesting. Electric power sports vehicles. We're talking electric dirt bikes and ATVs. They're not street legal, which is one of the things that kind of like. Street mm. legal. But they what? are like they're, they're like for farms and for for off roading, and they've gotten a lot of press, like uh, Barons, Newsweek. Uh, like auto world there's i mean their press section on their website their website is very basic which i don't love but it's not terrible um but they're like they're really low price points i mean they have two versions two electric dirt bikes right now one is eight thousand and one is like 2500 and they have a pretty good range they're, you know they look pretty powerful and fast i mean they're kind of cool looking and the story might be good enough for three million shares to give it give it a pop this is the kind of IPO that the IPO day traders and the trading groups kind of key in on. So 3 million shares is almost takes almost nothing for this to move up. So if it starts at uh, $5 or something like that and goes down at all, um, you add a little bit more, you start a position down there. And then 
you know, people start buzz the, the social media watch Twitter. If people start talking about it, it's going to go up. It's going to have at least one spike. So I watch these because I've done really well on super low float. And there's a very low float, just 3 million shares. Um, almost, almost all the super low floats that aren't, and even a lot of the biotech ones that aren't biotech, even easy fill, which was like that delivery gas, you know, gas system had a, you know, had a decent pop, which is one of the, I don't know. To me, it sounds like a really unprofitable business, but these guys do have, uh, you know, they are accepting payments for pre-orders, which is, you know, and, uh, you know, just more than a lot of EV companies can say. So, um, you know, I like this one, or I'll at least start a position on this one on the debut and see what it does, uh, but give myself some room for, for doubling down. But these low float, interesting story debuts almost always have at least one uh, kind of very fast spike in them. So as long as you're ready to take profits and not don't get too greedy, uh, th- th- these types of plays have worked out. Isoplexus, ISO. This is a medical device manufacturer. It sounds pretty cool. It's way over my head, um, but it's single cell analysis and it's used by the top 15 global biopharma companies based on revenue and nearly half of the comprehensive cancer centers in the U.S., so it is, you know, when you see these medical device, you know, we had that other one uh, last week. It was uh, that we called out. It was. Um, anyway, I don't want to forget which one it was, but we liked it and it did really well. And uh, it, part of it is they have like consumables. They have uh, the trays that they use, for example, for the testing are single use. So they have this kind of uh, recurring revenue. Uh, the total addressable market is $34 billion. Uh, revenue was up 103% in the last six months, gross profits up 112%. So they're good growth numbers, but their offer- operating profit is also expanding, or is like the loss on their operating profit is also expanding and is pretty significant. So it's not without danger, but it is low float. And that to me adds up to something that, could be pretty interesting. I think I will, again, maybe take a half the play, uh, maybe undercut the debut. I'm not going to go too aggressively on this, but it is, it does, it does sound strong. It does sound interesting. And that often is enough when the float is just 8.3 million shares to give you a good opportunity to grab, um, you know, a two point, a three point win. And um, the one thing I would say is any kind of biotech play, I will not want to be pl- holding onto it into day two. They just kind of get forgotten about volume dries up and you're sitting there, you know, just struggling to get out with a huge spread between the buy and the ask. Um, you know, even the spread can be the difference between losing money or making money on the trade at any given time. And I don't like that position. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy and delicious breads, buns and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Cognition Therapeutics. uh, This is an Alzheimer's and macular degeneration drug. So they have compelling early stage trial, trial results and Alzheimer's has been one of the very few like cancer drugs are a dime a dozen and there's just, there's nothing to differentiate them in most traders' minds, but Alzheimer's for some reason has been a really hot trend. So you got a promising early stage Alzheimer's drug with a low float. It's kind of like, if I'm going to break my rule about playing biotechs, 
you know, especially pharmaceuticals, this has the pieces that I would be looking for. And it's really a question of are other people talking about it or does this go under the radar? No one else is talking about it. I don't know. But we saw things like Arnaz a few weeks ago, which was a low float, something cancer related. And it went on a couple days of really strong runs and rebounds. So low float, Alzheimer's, compelling early stage trial results. That might be enough of a positive story for trading groups to buy in early, pump it and dump it. So again, I'll play it. I won't hold it long. I will definitely not be holding anything into day two and uh, just kind of pay attention to these because you will notice trends in the, um, you know, in the different IPOs, in the different market types. And there are some patterns with in biotech and pharma, even though as a group, I don't like them. There are some things which would indicate a win opportunity. Pixis Oncology, preclinical novel antibody conjugates for lung and breast cancer also discovers monoclonal antibodies. So that part is the interesting part because anything COVID related like monoclonal antibodies has done well. Uh, they have licensed two proprietary uh, product candidates from Pfizer, which kind of shows that they are playing with the big boys. Uh, the float is pretty low, but um, I don't know if monoclonal antibodies and the low float together will be enough. It's Friday. There's other plays that I might like better, but uh, I want to watch this and just see what it does. I probably won't touch it. I think it might do well, but that's not enough reason for me to jump into it. Uh, there was one something a little bit kind of in the vein of things we've talked about before, and this is a little bit out of left field, but we talked for a while about stealth IPOs. Um, and stealth IPOs are these low float, Spencer, you know what I'm talking about, right? I know exactly what you're talking about. We're talking W&W, UTME, MITQ. Uh, yeah, but fa fast forward a day or two later, and it's like the, the number one like most traded stock. Exactly. This, these IPOs that you never heard of, they were purposefully under unpromoted. Some random Chinese company debuts at five or six dollars and then all of a sudden is up at thirty dollars. And you're just like, what is this? You know, what are they selling? And it's some random like EJH was home cleaning services and they come back down, you know, almost as fast as they went up. Um, but they do these random pump spikes and all the investigation that I've done and everything that I've looked into on these has narrowed it down to a few possible answers. And the most likely one is that they are scams to move money out of China into <laughs> Western markets. You got a bunch, you're a rich Chinese guy, you got a ton, or girl, you got a ton of money locked up in China. It's very difficult to move money from China to America, especially under this administration. But one of the ways you can do it is give a bunch of, you know, give a few million shares to your cousin in New York and uh, just buy them buy as many of them directly from him as you can. And by pumping up the price, you can move a lot more money a lot faster and no one else is going to buy, um, you know, uh, Chinese cleaning companies shares for $30 a, you know, a share. Uh, so you're going to be able to buy a lot of them and move your money from your account in China to your cousin's account in New York. And these scams, you know, have taken on a number of different, uh, you know, iterations. And one of them was we saw towards the, you know, right before the Chinese lockdown was that they were running up the price in the pre-debut. So they priced the IPO at $5. I think JZXN was kind of one that we really noticed. It was 
priced at $5 and debuted at $45. And this wasn't, there's nothing interesting about this company. And the only person who would possibly pay that kind of money was somebody who was trying to move money from one side to the other. And, uh, you know, that flow, that opportunity got cut off when Chinese IPOs got stopped. And so what did we see? We saw uh, the underwriters, the main underwriters that we've seen doing these are Boasted Securities, Sutter Financial, which is a sister company to Boasted, and Network One Financial, which has done, uh, you know, co-underwritten some of the same IPOs, uses the same lawyers. So they all, you know, they kind of seem to be operating in a sort of uh, cabal. Um, but if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we saw FCUV do an uplisting. And FCUV was some yeah. kind of 5G chip thing. And I didn't pick it up until afterwards. But you look on their website and you go to the team page and it's three Chinese, you know, doctors and, um, you know, or I don't know, electrical engineers or something. Um, but, you know, if I had made that connection, I would have, and I, I said before we covered it on the show because it looked interesting because it was a boasted underwriting. We said, keep an eye on this. Let's see what it does. And if I had made that connection to China beforehand, I would have you know, been more aggressive in playing it. But FCUV debuted, uh, you know, uplisted, traded pretty much sideways the first day. And then on day two, went on a 500% run from about $6 to 25, you know, to 25 plus. And afterwards, like, oh, yeah, I mean, we knew something might happen, but something totally did happen. So. After that, I said, all right, I got to keep an eye on anything boasted touches related to a Chinese company. My hypothesis is they're going to go back to one of their previous stealth IPO part, uh, you know, partners and do some kind of follow up offering or an uplisting. But I was looking specifically for a follow up offering, something that looks a little bit weird, some kind of totally random company. And they're going to do some kind of offering because they have clients in China that are more now, now more than ever desperate to get money out of the PRC and into the Western markets. And this is one way that I could see them doing it. So last Thursday, last Friday, I got an alert saying Boasted Securities is doing a direct offering uh, with PETZ, which is some random Chinese pet food company okay. that has a history of irrational runs. Uh, this company, when it did its IPO in 2017, going back and look at it, looking at it, looks like one of the original stealth IPOs. It IPO'd at about $5, $6, and within a week was trading over $30. Uh, it then came all the way back down. So, you know, clearly a, uh, you know, an unjustified run. And then in February 2000, February 17th, uh, 2021, it spiked from about $2 to $3 the day before, and then ran up to 14 and then pulled all the way back down. Yeah. So that's two. Uh, you look at it and it's done a few random spikes up. You know, it's generally traded between two or $3 and then randomly spiked over $4. So this. Okay. Do we lose Matt? That would make sense. What's that? I'm here. Hello? Okay. I thought we lost you. I thought we lost you. It, it, it would make sense because we were having all kinds of <coughs> technical problems today, but we, we got you back? No. We did not get Matt is frozen. All right. If Matt unfreezes. All right. He unfroze. All right. No, he froze again. All right, Matt. I'm going to say goodbye. I, I know you couldn't finish your thought, but we got we got uh, our next guest here, and 
yeah, the Gremlins, man. What can I say? The internet is run off like three different websites that like, control the entirety. Anyway, I don't want to. Okay, Manhattan, guys, joins us every week. IPOWarriors.com previewing what is to come in the IPO calendar, offering his trade ideas and how he will play it. I pick and I'll, I'll put the link up on the screen here. Let's do that right now. Uh, ba, ba, ba. There it is. IPOWarriors.com. Check it out. Matt, thanks a lot, man. Sorry, I couldn't, couldn't finish your thought, but we'll, I'll talk to you again next week. Uh, hey, let's bring on our next guest here. Christian Fromhertz. He is one of the best follows on Fintwit at uh, at C Fromhertz is his handle. I'll bring him on here. Christian, do we have you? We do. Hey, how, how's it going? Whew, it's one of those days, man. One of those days. Oh man. Are you are you seeing widespread outages? Just give me one second. I'm having a little bit of technical difficulty. I may have opened up a session twice, so I got some major echo here, and okay. I can't seem to get rid of it. Okay, fair enough. All right. Well, I'm gonna keep uh, talking. I guess, even though I don't hear an echo on my end, Christian. So, oh, and now he's gone. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was funny. Like for a second, nobody else was able to get in to this stream. Like Christian couldn't get in, Mitch couldn't get in, a bunch of guys here couldn't. Rohan, they couldn't get in. It looks like people are at least able to get into the stream now. But I was about to just end the show because nobody else could. If you weren't here, you you couldn't join already. So it looks like that is okay. I I mean, I see Mitch is backstage, uh, just hanging out. It looks like Christian. Was he able to join, which means he will be able to join again, I, I would hope. Uh, I, I hope we do get technical today. Neil is going to just hop on this stream probably. I hope we do get technical. I hope we do mood or bust. Um, I hope we do at the close with Joel and I. Uh, but it's, it's I, I, I don't know. Frankly, we're having all sorts of problems today. So... Wait, I'm seeing something from 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 Aaron Thomas. Uh, okay. Anyway, all right. You know what? Let's just go back to the markets. All right. It, it's fitting that we're having gremlins today of all days because let's go to a uh, uh, a Benzinga Pro here. Bada bing, bada boom. Actually, no. Let's just start with crypto. Okay. Let's just start with crypto. This is what I was saying at the top of the hour when I thought I was live and I wasn't. I was talking to myself. I was saying at the time that I'm I'm done with crypto as a hedge. I am tired of people saying crypto is a, that's not a reason to own crypto in my opinion, right? Now, since since I said that to myself 45 minutes ago, Bitcoin has decided to, to go green today, but. Being a hedge for stocks is not a reason, I think, to own, own crypto because more often than not, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, they do trade down on days when the stock market is lower. Why? I have no idea. Does anyone know? I have no clue. And now that this being said, Bitcoin has turned it around for the moment. We, we, we just spiked, at least in the futures, up to 49,275. Let's do a quick refresh here. You know what, Mitch? You want to come on and just hang? Yeah, what the hell? What's up, man? Got to turn the mic on there. 
There you no, go. No one wow. else. No one else is able to get into the stream. It's just me and you. I don't know why. I think it was because it was my stream to begin with. Maybe I am just. It snapped in me. Like I, I got in real quick, but hey. I, I don't know. I have no idea. Anyway, uh, so my rant against Bitcoin as a hedge has been proven wrong for the moment because it is green for the day. Uh, but Ethereum, Cardano, Solana, Binance Coin, Litecoin, all down with this actually more than the yeah. overall stock market. So crypto, crypto being a hedge, no. There are many reasons to own Bitcoin and crypto. A hedge is not one of them. End of soapbox. By the way, you can get fifty dollars in Bitcoin for free. All you have to do is download the Voyager app, fund your account with hundred dollars, use the promo code Zing, make your first trade. When you do that, you'll get fifty dollars in Bitcoin for free in your account. That's like a fifty percent return just to start off. It is. It is. <laughs> Oh man, AT&T outages, Google, Facebook. Oh, it's horrible right now. <laughs> what is the world coming to? Uh, uh, how's the overall market? How are we looking? I know we're uh, looking. Well, let's see. We are near the low of the day. Let's go to some charts. We are near the low of the day in everything in, in all the major indexes, right? Let's go. To, we'll go to the spy. We'll, we'll start there. No, I can't. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try this. Chart's giving up on you. Oh, I got you, bro. My chart just died. Let's try it again. Let's refresh. Does that work? Yes, it works. Okay. There you go. Okay. Man, it's one of those days. All right. Oh, wait. Christian, are you back? I think Christian's back. Christian's back. Let's see. Let's bring him on. Christian? Uh, back. Hey. hey. Yes. Oh, what a day. Well, okay. so so what happened was I had uh, another session running in the background, and oh. it, it was a, it had like a delay of two or three seconds. So I was like, "There's no way I'm going to be able to understand which one is correct." So thanks, guys. I apologize for that. You know what? It, it's it's you, you two, are the only people that are able to join this stream for some reason. No one else is able to. I don't know what's going on, Christian. We got internet outages. We got stocks in the red. What is going on? Yeah, uh, a little bit more volatility than uh, than I was looking for, you know, coming into today. So um, I don't know where you guys are at, but we could talk about the the indices first. And yeah, let's let's spots. start and there. We're at the we're at the low of the day. Let's start there. What's that? We're at the low of the day in the spy and the cues, almost in the Russell. Let, let's start with the indexes. All right, let's let's uh, do that. Can I, I can share my screen. All right, let me. Yes, uh, you can. All right, <laughs> at least we can still do that. Let's get that going. Share screen. How we doing? Yes, I, I see you. All right. So, you know, unfortunately, I can you you guys got to have me on when it's a little bit better price action than this, unless you're super bearish. Wait, 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 wait. I thought you love volatility. I I, I do. It's nice. Um, just not days when you kind of come in a little bit when, when you've got positions. But it's great for day trading. Unfortunately, I'm more of a swing trader. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, all right. What we've got here is a chart of the S and P futures. Yeah. So tell we'll, us. Tell us what we'll you're seeing. Start with. Um, we'll start with just the daily chart, and you know, I was looking for forty three thirty five to hold. So now that this didn't hold for the day, uh, we've got a we've got a mess on our hands. Um, so what I kind of look to next 
um, knowing that we've broken that is, you know, how much more damage are we going to see here in the short term? And we don't really know that, right? And, um, but what I do look for is, is some, some type of level where I can say, okay, um, if we hold this, it's, you know, we could possibly, you know, that, that's one thing that's positive. So we haven't been able to hold 42.92 either. So the, these are my levels that um, unless this holds, I want to be more defensive. Um, we have not taken out the lows from last week in S&P futures but we're, we're pretty darn close. So, you know, I think this is an area to be defensive in, um, NASDAQ, of course, you know, which is, um, clearly seeing an unwind today. I've got a level to watch in NASDAQ futures down here at 14, that's coming into play pretty, pretty quickly. So for now, um, you got to try to like sit on your hands or if you, if you are getting into the market here, you know, I, I think it's best to, um, you know, to, to be, you know, using pretty tight stops um, and then going from there and kind of watching to see how things, you know, um, settle in. All that being said, Christian, it, it is paid to buy the last two or three or four dips at every, well, every dip, but especially in the last couple of weeks when we, we've actually gotten some dips. Right. It's paid to buy them. Right. And that's absolutely true. Um, but I, you know, sometimes the dips are a little bit bigger than than the normal dip. And, you know, coming into this week, I thought, hey, you know, same, same exact thing as, as what you just said. Hey, we've got a dip. Um, we've got through you know, September seasonality, which is a horrible month. You know, it's the worst month of uh, seasonality. But October can be rough, too, especially like parts of October, if you look at the seasonality, which, again, is just one factor. But from there, you know, once we have something like this go on, right, we don't know if the dip is going to be, you know, clearly it's more than two or three percent. Is it five percent? Is it seven percent? Um, and, and then we you kind of have to just, you know, understand your time frame if you are buying the dip. And if you're a shorter term trader, you know, you really want to make sure that that you're that you're honoring your stops in this environment. Yeah, that's a really good question in the chat, Rich Kaiser. What happens when you run out of money buying the dips and it keeps dipping? Well, that's when you have to know your risk tolerance, right? Uh, right. You probably shouldn't always automatically buy every dip. Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and, and that's the exact, you know, just as yeah. we kind of you started with this question, you know, buying the dip has worked in the past, but you don't want to get yourself in a position yeah. where you're digging yourself out of a hole. Yep. Anytime that we've got a little bit of volatility and if you're and if you're more uh, of a long only type trader, then, um, you know, you really want to have that dry powder and, and make sure that every trade that you're taking in this environment, that you've got some stop price and that you're thinking things out, not just like, oh, geez, you know, I got an opportunity. We haven't had a, had a dip before. Um, you know, that's fine to have that mentality, but you have to have a plan in terms of. Okay, well, what if we've got a bigger dip on our hands? Because you know, let's face it, the three of us and everybody else, nobody knows how how far or how deep the dip is. Um, we've had this nice muscle memory where you know most of the dips that we've had have been quite shallow, but there's certainly situations. And I think if you just look back at, at what we saw last year too, um, you know, we had it, we did go below the 50 day moving average and we were kind of lucky here that we got back above, but it went back and forth, you know, and, and even though October is a better month in terms of seasonality, 
um, you could see what we did from 10:13 on. So you just have to be kind of open and objective, uh, objective to everything, and um, or you know, to, to any possible outcome. You know, and this energy move right now is just kind of showing you where the money is going right now. It's going into commodities, but the the issue is that when when you look at the at the S and P, um, the growth and tech is such a larger weight in the S&P. So if they're going to be unwinding tech and growth as they are today, and as we started to see- That's know, a great point. As, as well, it's going to be more impactful because energy, and I don't have um, the data up right this second, but I, you know, energy is less than 10% in the S&P and it's the largest weight. Uh, tech is the largest weight. In, in the S and P, so these things are these. If it was one for one, then it would be one thing, but um, it, it's it's not one for one. And, and growth is growth and tech are a much bigger portion of these indices. So that, that's where, um, whenever we have one of these growth unwinds, it becomes particularly painful. I, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Right, um, the basically the reason that the broader indexes, the S and P 500, the SPY, didn't go down this summer was because this the, the the six largest technology stocks weren't going down right yeah. and and now that and i was going to ask you this but i i not i don't think it really even matters though is is it a question of like who is leading who here or it, it just doesn't matter you know what i mean like is is are the markets going down because tech is weak or is tech weak is it the other way around or does that not make a difference well, so, I mean, sometimes it's both. Sometimes it can be, you know, and that's why, you know, making the point of, of tech being the largest weight in these indices is, is a little bit dangerous because once, if it could just be that rotation out of tech and into some other places, it may, you know, there, there's many traders that are just looking at the indices. So that's just going to cause, because of that weighting scheme, you're going to see that pressure in, in the indices and that's going to cause people to, to, you know, monitor those, monitor those levels alone. And that could cause some selling in, in the outright indices. And, um, and I think that's what we're seeing today as well. Uh, question from Dupre, Dupre, Dupre in the chat. Christian, what are your thoughts on banks given yeah. that yields are going up? Yeah. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm a, um, I have the position right now that I'm I'm long banks, but it's it's one of those situations too where you know you can't just say okay um, you know there's a move out of tech and I think rates are going to go higher. You know there's a lot of factors at play, right? I mean right now we're getting to the point where if you look at what bonds were doing today, right? They were moving down up until you know so bonds moving down, rates are going up. That happened until nine fifty. Well. Once we have these concerns about China and some geo geopolitical issues, bonds kind of change. They kind of change to be maybe a, they might start to see a little bit of a flight to capital. So the, the worse things get, um, you might actually see bonds go up. And then, you know, that kind of kills the whole thesis for the banks, you know, and going along the banks. So you, kinda, you have to be careful with that. And um, if they start, if things really start to get bad, you might see bonds catch a bid, right? And, you know, for instance, you know, SIVB, which is a name that I've been um, in and out of, um, you know, you can see it's kind of slipping here too. It's down 2% um, because pe once things really start to kind of go bad, it, it that sector rotation 
um, can work pretty decently when the VIX is, is around a 20 or under. But once you see the VIX start to spike up as it is today, it's 24. It's really tough to kind of play that sector rotation game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So you, you want to be mindful of like what the VIX is and, 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 and how volatility is moving because uh, in that situation, banks, energy, tech, once you start to really, you know, once volatility starts to really crank up, uh, everything kind of starts to get hit a bit. And, oh, and so then the million dollar question yeah. Kristen, is like, and I almost like am hesitant to, to even go here, but like, let's say we do get a prolonged period of at the very least sideways action at, or potentially more. Right. And I don't think that, but it could happen. And if that were to happen, then how would you position yourself? Uh, j just light, you know, I would really increase my, my cash balance. So um, I do that from time to time, you know, when I start to see things and, and when some of the trades that I've got into, if they turn out to be wrong, I, I, I just take stops, um, yeah. you know, and really honor what the market is doing. I say this all the time. I have ideas and things that like, you know, just like we talked about the financials. Hey, you know, the financials are looking good. You know, they're showing relative strength versus the overall market. However, if that thesis fails, right? Price and trend are the number one for me. I'm not going to argue with the market, right? Because if I argue with the market and act stubborn, what usually happens is I will have a bigger correction in my account and I don't want that. So I, you know, the main thing to kind of preserve here is your confidence and your PL. So it's good to kind of keep those ideas um, but make sure that you 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 have those those stop prices set, especially whenever you're entering a trade, whatever you're deciding what could be, um, you know, the play that you're looking at. Right. You have to have a stop price to say this is where I'm going to be wrong, because, again, if we start to see the VIX right now, it's 24. We start to see the VIX crank up to a 27 to a 30. You know, you're going to be you're going to get yourself into trouble buying that dip. Right. So um, number one, above all else, is to have a trading plan and, and honor price. Right. Because, um, you know, what's what's the age old saying is that, you know, the markets can, can act irrational longer than I can stay solvent. So yeah. when, when we're seeing that volatility, that should be in the back of your mind that um, this market is greater than any of my ideas, any of your ideas or any of you know, any other expert that you see that's on yeah. TV or anywhere else. Uh, for those watching, we are live with Christian Fromhertz. His Twitter handle is at C Fromhertz. I highly, highly, highly recommend you follow him on Twitter. He's dropping knowledge there every day. Uh, we are trying to start uh, get technical our next show if our host will ever get here. And if not, then I'm just going to hang out. Uh, Christian will hang out for a few more minutes and I'll hang out with Mitch. And our, our guest we have is actually already here uh, for the show. So I'll run with him. But uh, it's one of those days, everyone, we're just going to stay out. We've been on the stream since 11 a.m. We're going to stay on the stream because uh, apparently there's some massive Amazon Web Services problems today and a lot of websites are having outages. Uh, Ourself included. Uh, I, I saw AT&T. I saw Facebook. I saw Google. So, yeah, maybe long, I don't know, fastly on a day like today. I don't know. Or some Or Akamai or some internet infrastructure. But I don't know. I don't know. But uh, in all seriousness, uh, we are 
Same story. We're near the we're at the low of the day. Uh, in just off in, in the Nasdaq, uh, barely off in the spy. Every sector red except for energy and utilities. Yeah, uh, it's one of those days. I, I gotta I gotta agree with Christian about uh, you know the swing trading environment. It's been a little tough here. Uh, I got stopped out a couple of swing trades myself, uh, but that's what it's all about. I mean, at the end of the day, you got to set the plan, and if the plan goes against you, this is not the time to try to fight and get into those bag holding situations. At least that's what I would I would agree with. Also, you know, it, you know, there's times in, in the environment where you're seeing stocks just rip, and last year it was a time where you know you bought any dip and pretty much came back and then there's also you got to know that the market environment has changed since then and uh, you know one thing that i was always taught was that you can't always compare the, the the way that things were to the way that things are right now and i think right now you definitely need to have a, a little bit of case of being risk adverse yeah. being pushing on the risk side christian um i just had a thought oh yeah something else i wanted to bring up is like people are going to be wondering are asking why are we down? Why are we down? Why are we down? I don't know why we're down. I don't know if you know why we're down. I don't. But I don't think that. I think that's the point, right? Is we don't. There doesn't have to be a reason. Yeah, I mean, and it, it, there doesn't have to be a reason. And you know, there. I see a couple things. You know that that you know a couple headlines, right? There's some more issues with uh, China. There's another company that that I've never heard of before. I think it was. Yeah. In, Fantasia or something like that. You know, it's, so it's the second default. So there's some contagion. Wait, wait, wait! I heard that. I thought that was a joke this morning. That wasn't a joke. That that I don't believe was a joke. But ne- but nevertheless, I mean, and then I think you have some geopolitical and and, and right. political things that are going on. So it's kind of an excuse. And and the main thing is, um, you know, if you're watching price, um, it, it really depends on what the institutions are going to do. The institutions always drive the markets. So yeah. if they're going to lighten up regardless of what the reason is, um, you have to honor it. And like, so I have Tesla. So here, here Tesla is a good example. Ah, I was thinking about it. They crushed their, their, their deliveries. Um, and I, I've tried to trade actually twice today and I just got stopped out, um, the second time because 786 is the level for me to try a trade. So when this happens and, and, you know, this is important, um, it's because it's an important part of trading, right? Because, um, as I was just saying, like, number one, you know, I'm obviously a, a single stock trader and so forth, but you have to be a risk manager. And I hear Dennis say this a lot in the room, too, in the pre-market session. You have to be a risk manager. Yeah. Right? At, at the end of the day, um, that's what's most important. So what I usually do is my breakout point for Tesla, and I put out a video on this last night, is 786. Yeah. And then we can kind of concentrate on some things like 811. But um until this, so so as soon as I get stopped out in a trade, I don't get bummed out. Um, I just place a, an alert about what you know where I care in the name again, and that's above seven eighty six. And I'm happy to try a trade again. Um, and sometimes paper, you know, paper cut losses um, they happen, right? But you know, paper cut losses are will keep me in the game essentially, right? If I stay into trades and they continue to break down, you know, that could really um, you know, cause me some some trouble down the line. Yeah, I, I think either way, this is a very interesting time because either either a we get days off all over again, a repeat of the last two weeks, or b we get our first real period of volatility, sustained volatility since March of last year. Right, Wait, we've been straight up for a year and a half. 
So yeah, so so we were doing, you know, if you if you look back like a few weeks ago or a month ago, sometimes these things become a self-fulfilling prophecy. Everybody yeah. starts to say, oh, well, we, we're due for a 5% correction. When I start to see everybody quoting over and over, hey, the last time that we had a 5% yes. correction, it's been yes. this long. Yes. Sometimes it's it's almost like people are wishing for it a little bit too much. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the other thing that happens is when you do get the 5% correction, it's always, it's never like, oh, great, let me deploy some capital and things will be fine. Because then you're worried about, is the 5% correction going to be a 10% correction? See, you see, that's all, okay, that right there, what Christian just said, was one of the first hard lessons that I ever learned. Uh, I basically spent the entirety of 2000 and, uh, was it 15 or 6, I can't remember, 15 or 16, being like, okay, I have some things I want to buy, but, but, but I want to wait. I want to wait because... The market is just too high right now, and I just I'm going to wait for a pullback. First off, the pullback might never come. Okay. Second, if it does come, who is to say that you are going to swing at the pitch? Because it is hard. It is hard to pull the trigger yeah. when the, when the market is going down. It sounds easy when the market's going up. Oh, I'll just wait till a pullback. Duh. I'll just buy the dip. It's never that easy. No, no dip is easy. No, no dip it is, is easy. never easy. And so I, I, <laughs> I think this was in twenty fifteen. And then so like a year later, I was like, I was like, oh shoot! Like I just basically missed an entire years of gains because I was like, oh, I'm gonna wait till the market goes down. It didn't go down. Yeah. <laughs> that was six years ago. Like, what was I waiting for? So that was a good lesson to learn. Um, Obviously, that was that was more for uh, longer term positions for me, but but the, it still applies to trading as well, right? It's hard to swing at the pinch when the market's going down, right? No. So, so we mentioned like a couple of negative things, right? So I, you know, talking about because I know this is not fun when you talk about taking, you know, I just took a, t- a stop on Tesla, yeah, uh, you know, being a risk manager and so forth, right? That's not like the um, the most exciting thing about about today, but it's it's. It, it is part of it's part of the process, and um, you know it, it has kept me. I've been through a couple of these times this year um, where you know you just have to kind of live to fight another day. Now that's the negative part. The positive part is you really want to pay attention to what names are acting better, right? I like to focus on relative strength. What names are starting to kind of like show their show that they're holding up better than others? Because every time we do see one of these dips. Right, you're going to you're going to come across names that are going to hold up better than others. Oftentimes, those are the leaders going forward. So that's what's one of the most important things, and it's tough because you know on a day like this where, where you've got a lot of areas going down, um, what it, we got small caps down. You know, I was looking for the small caps to shine a little bit today. They're not doing it yet, no. but you you know it's a process. You got to kind of wait. Um, you know, be patient, but. Really, what I like to find in, on days like this is what areas are actually are holding up when everything else is going down. So that's kind of um, you know I've seen a couple names that are that are looking okay, but it's it's really um, going to be kind of towards the end of the day where you kind of um, go through some of your scanners, which I use a lot of scanners. Um, I use Finviz a lot. And I kind of go through some of my watch list and say, hey, which which names actually didn't really go down much or actually were positive on the day? Yeah. That's where you're going to find your good trades going forward. That's a great point. And my 
first instinct was as well to look at the small caps because those are the ones that got punished for the last six months while the market while while the broader s p did did nothing but go higher so maybe now that we have some tech weakness it would stand that that trend reverses but you're saying that's not the case i mean the iwm is is outperforming today but but still in the red so yeah yeah. still not as good as it as it should be yeah so I'm, I'm looking for this um, as the market's moving. We got pretty close to taking. This is a downside level that I'm watching in Nasdaq futures. We got pretty close okay. to taking it out. Um, I would love to see this level be taken out 14, uh, 14, 354. Um, and we're starting to rebound a little bit, but um, yeah. So we're, let's see if we can kind of build off this, this green candle and kind of take back uh, was this 20, 20 period moving average on the five minute chart. Um, if not, if we can't kind of regroup and build off of this, then, um, yeah, I'm watching, <laughs> I'm watching for this level to be taken out. So cl- sometimes they get so close and they don't get taken out. Um, so we'll just kind of have to see if we build from here. Okay. Uh, Christian, I'll, I'll let you go in a second, but, uh, just what, if it ever gets to the point and I'm not saying it will, but if it ever gets to the point in a lot of these stocks, would you lean on the COVID lows or, is that a level you got to kind of throw out because it was so crazy? Which which level? The the, the COVID lows for everything. <laughs> I mean, I I I'm just, I know we're we're very far away from that. Yeah, I'm just saying, is that like a level? Like, do you look at that at all, or do you just throw that out of the window because it was? No, I, I mean, it, it's it's that's I mean, it's too far. Okay. Away. Okay. So I, I, you know, if if we start to kind of you know, depending on how we go today. Um, you know, I will be probably like out of a lot of positions if we don't really get, you know, better today, um, then I'm not, I'm just not going to mess with a downtrend and, and trying to pick where we go down to. But yeah. I mean, that that's, that's not an area that I want to see us go down to. I, I do think that we could possibly go down to 42 to eight, um, possibly down here to the 200 day moving average, but I don't really want to be holding a lot of positions in my trading account as we start to revisit these areas down here. So, you know, for the day I'm looking for, I know I'm throwing out a lot of levels here and and I, sometimes I I do that while while I'm in the middle of a process here, but I want to see us stay above 42.92 for the day. If we don't, and if we take out the low from last week, I will be, I will be much more defensive um, because I just don't want to mess with, um, you know, how far down are we going to go? I will be respecting price and, um, and, and being super disciplined, but the day's not over. So we I, I, I'm get sorry. that was in the S and P futures. That's S and P futures. I'm looking for 4292. Um, so the level right here, um, for us to get back above, if we take out the lows from last week, which we have already, uh, not in futures, uh, for, for, for spy, we may have, but not oh, in SP futures. Oh, really? I I, I see the twenty on from the twentieth. I see, yeah, what you just said, forty two ninety three, which were oh, you mean you mean on a closing basis? On a close, yeah. So okay, on a okay, closing okay, basis. Okay. So, so for it. today's close, I got want it. to see us get above forty two ninety two. Got it. Got it. Okay, okay. because of the always the most important thing is the close. Right. Right. So we can we can breach areas, in, you know, intraday. Uh, but I want to see us get reclaim 4292. Um, that would get me a little bit more comfortable. If we can't do that, 
Yeah. Right. And we're kind of caught. Let's say we, we close where we are here. This is not a great position to be in because we're kind of caught in the middle of last week's lows, which is right around 4267. And we're and we're below this level, which is, again, it's kind of no man's land. Um, if we close below last week's lows, right, then that for me, that means get defensive, um, increase my cash uh, position and, um, you know, take off some things, even though I've got individual names on. And, um, you know, I may decide to kind of trim some of those things, even though the stop hasn't been, been reached there, just to take a more defensive position. So, again, I, I'm not really trading the, the, the individual. I'm sorry, I'm not really trading the indices that much, but I'm really um, paying attention to them for important levels. Yeah, Christian Farmer has given us the one level that matters above all else. Last week's low in the S&P 500 futures. Uh, Christian Farmhurst can be found on Twitter at C Farmhurst. He is the founder of Tribeca Trade Group. Christian, thanks a lot for coming on today, despite all the technical gaffes. Absolutely, guys. A pleasure. Right. Thanks a lot, man. It's a, a Christian just said it, and I mean, it's really, really probably the most important day we've had for the market that I, in quite some time this year, maybe arguably yeah. this year. I would I, say this year. This year, I think that's a fair assessment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe I'm being a smidge over dramatic, but maybe I'm not. I mean, it's an important day for sure. I mean, we had yeah. a lot of good news on Friday, right? Or at least relatively good news for the market. The problem is there's there's always good news and bad news. And so I always just throw it all out the window. But uh right. and Christian's right. I mean last week's low, critical, critical, critical. I can I I, I can tell you if, if we if we do have at the close today with Joel, that's the level he's watching. Right. Yep. Now. Uh, that's the level of levels right now. It's the level that everyone's watching. Is please hold Monday, last Monday's close. Please hold last Monday's close or low. Uh, Did you know nearly all stock price changes of 10% or more result from a single news headline? That's right. News headlines have a unique ability to drive stock prices up or down. These news catalysts create trading opportunities every day. All you need is a little help to reach out and take them. And if you're looking to grow your portfolio, it doesn't matter if your investment budget is small or big. An easy-to-read stream of news headlines will increase your opportunities to profit from price changes in the stock market, consolidate a knowledge-based investment strategy, and grow your portfolio. All you need is Benzinga Pro and its powerful news alerts, price tracking, and portfolio monitoring to make a positive change in your trading performance. We've already helped thousands of retail traders across the world, and they could not be happier. Increase your market knowledge, boost your exposure to big movers, and make informed trades before major price changes. The opportunities are all around you. Subscribe now and we'll skyrocket your portfolio today. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.